Welcome to the People Powered Business Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Lee Billett. If you employ staff, engage contractors, or rely on people to help deliver your products or services, you're in the right place. Join us each week as we dive in to uncover what makes people tick, learn the best strategies and tactics to build an amazing team, and most importantly, discover how you, the business owner or leader, can unleash the power of your people to help create the successful business you deserve. Let's get started. Hi there, welcome to episode 93 of the People Powered Business Podcast. I'm Christy Lee, your host of the podcast each and every week. Welcome, it's fabulous to have you here. At the time of recording, we are uh, on the slide into the end of 2021. And I don't know about you, but uh, it's been a unusual year. <laughs> I don't even know the right word to describe this year. And it doesn't feel like it's going to get any more consistent or certain um, over the next 12 months. Well, that's how it's feeling anyway at the time of recording this. And I don't know about you, but the people I'm talking to are kind of ready for a break. They're not sure whether they can have a break. They're trying to make plans, but they're not sure about plans. It's all just feeling a little bit Groundhog Day in that sense. But anyway, we're heading towards the end of the year. For many of you, I hope that means time off, time with family, time with friends, time to recoup and rejuvenate, time to plan, time for you just some time and some space. Uh, For me, I'll be actually powering through because I want to take a little space, a little time in the early part of 2022. So, um, but it's a great time, actually. For those of you who work through, you might understand what this is like. I don't do this every year, but the years I do work through, I can get a lot done during that period when everyone else is off. It's great time for uninterrupted work, um, for work that sometimes can be tricky to really get your mind or your headspace into when you've got all the emails coming through and all the calls coming through and lots of competing priorities. So um, it's a great time to do some big projects. And for many of my clients, it's a time when they start reflecting on, oh, we really need to get this in place. So it's not uncommon for me to get calls and emails throughout the Christmas New Year period saying, hey, could we get this done before the team come back on the 4th of January? Ah, so it can be a good time to be working through. But alas, that is not what we are here to discuss on this week's episode of the podcast. Today, we're going to have a chat actually about a topic that um, I wanted to talk to you about because when I was reflecting on the work that I've been doing with businesses this year, the questions I get asked, the um, the challenges that business owners face, this is probably, not probably, definitely, the number one thing that I have been asked about, worked on, done projects on, spent time on this year. And that is the good old employment agreement, employment contract, letter of engagement, whatever you want to call it. They all effectively mean the same thing. So, As we're chatting in this podcast, and if I say employment agreement, please know I mean employment contract. I mean letter of engagement. They're all interchangeable terms when it comes to employing people in our business. So I wanted to chat about that today because I get asked so many questions about it, and it dawned on me that I've never done a podcast episode on this particular topic, which feels a little weird. Um, So I thought I probably should do a podcast episode on employment agreements and specifically what should be in them, what you need to watch out for, what you don't want to have in them, and why you should be having them at all. Because that is one of the traps I see a lot of particularly small businesses fall into is they actually just don't have anything documented. 
And I think there's a few reasons for that. It feels a little hard. It feels complicated. It feels legal and litigious, which is kind of scary. In small business, sometimes we end up hiring people that we know or even family members. And so there is an element of implied trust in that relationship. So we think we don't need employment agreements. Um, We also, I think, sometimes just don't get to it or don't realize the importance of it because we feel like there's other things in place to protect us. So today we're going to look at what employment agreements are and really specifically dive into why you need them, what should be in them, and what should not be in them. How's that sound? But for many of you, it's something that you think, oh, yeah, I probably haven't thought about that for a while. And if you haven't revisited your contracts or your agreements in a, in a long time, it might be time to do that. So let's just firstly, before we dive into it, just recap what we're actually talking about here. So as I said, whether you call them employment agreements, contracts of employment, letters of engagement, they're all the same thing. And what they effectively are is an agreement between the employer, that's you, the business, and an employee, someone joining your team, that sets out the terms and conditions of the employment relationship. That's it in a nutshell. It sets out the terms and conditions of the employment relationship. So just like when you um, sign up with a supplier or you sign up with a new accountant or with a HR practitioner or with any other business service, you're quite often signing terms um, terms and, and conditions of that particular working arrangement. An employment agreement or contract is just the same. It's just an employee and employer relationship. So from a, I guess, legal perspective, the Fair Work Commission. So if you're not familiar with that term, the Fair Work Commission is the governing body, I guess you would say, for human resources uh, and employing people in Australia. And the Fair Work Act is the piece of legislation that we're dealing with. And so the Fair Work Commission says that contracts or employment agreements can be written or verbal, but undoubtedly, undoubtedly, written agreements are the standard, the best practice when you're making agreements. Because, hello, we all know the situation. (laughs) Any verbal agreement that has been made is open to interpretation. What someone says versus what someone hears out of that It is a minefield. So whilst technically, yes, you can have a verbal agreement, it is not my suggestion or recommendation that you would ever rely on that. So a written employment agreement or contract of employment or letter of engagement is what you want to have in place. So let's let's look at why these are important because I think this can be really, um, it's something we can oversimplify and You know, if you've ever been in a situation where you needed to rely on your employment agreement to make a decision around performance management, to remind an employee of their requirements and their obligations, to deal with a termination, um, any of those things, you revert back to the employment agreement because it sets out what is actually involved in the employment relationship. But if you haven't had to do that, then you may be underestimating the value that these documents can bring to your business. Now, you will hear me say over and over again that HR requires detail, but should not be difficult. And the employment agreement is another one of those examples. Um, We have a little mantra, mantra, inside people-powered HR. It goes like this, document, document, document. (laughs) 
If it's documented, it can't be confused. It can't be misinterpreted. Uh, it can't be, oh, I didn't know that. It's got to be documented. And the employment agreement is the king of those documents. I often call the position description the boss of all HR documents, and it is, and the employment agreement is its best friend. So you really need them to, firstly, they create clarity. So they give you real clarity, both you and the employee entering into the relationship and the agreement. They give you clarity about what's expected in this employment relationship. Um, What are the terms here? What are we setting out as the parameters of this relationship? Um, So they really give clarity to all parties involved about what's exactly on the table here. I think most importantly from my perspective as a HR practitioner, an employment agreement is an essential protection asset for your business. When you have employment agreements in place, provided of course they are well written and compliant and all the things we're going to talk about today, they really do protect you from an employee going rogue. And look, of course, we won't all want to assume we're going to make excellent hiring decisions and we're never going to have a rogue employee or a problem child or someone that is doing the wrong thing. But the reality is even those of us who are experts in this field sometimes miss something or someone changes. And I think that's the most common scenario. The person you hired isn't the person they've become and they go rogue. <laughs> and um, this is this document protects you. It's such an important protection piece. And importantly, they really want to keep you compliant. We're going to talk about the compliance aspects that should be in an agreement in a moment, but compliant but not complicated. I mean, I'm sure you've seen employment contracts or agreement that are honestly longer than war and peace, and the clauses are just so complicated to read that even if you signed it, you really didn't have a clue what you were reading. And the same might apply for some employees that you've hired in other businesses before. But I want to tell you today, it doesn't actually need to be that complicated. And in some, in fact, some of the best employment agreements and contracts that I've seen are written in plain language, are written in language that everyone understands. And you want your employees to be able to understand these agreements because you want them to know what they're getting into and to be committed to that, to be committed to these terms. So, So they don't need to be complicated, and that's a really important thing. So they are important. They protect you, they provide clarity, and they set out the exact terms and conditions of the employment relationship, leaving no one uncertain about what's involved. So let's dive into what actually should be in your employment agreements. And I want to share with you that at the end of the episode, I'm going to let you know where you can get a really handy free checklist of all of the key clauses and terms that should be in your employment agreements, as well as some bonus nice-to-haves that you might want to consider adding. So I'll let you know at the end of the episode where you can grab your free copy of that checklist. So let's dive into what should be uh, in your employment agreements fundamentally. Now, to help simplify this, I've kind of broken it down into three chunks of information because, you know, if you've ever read an employment agreement, you'll know that there's a lot in there, right? These, this is not something I, I don't want to give you a shopping list of things that, that you know, that everything that needs to go in. But I've tried to group things together for you to make it really simple. So every employment agreement should have what I would call the essentials or the basics in there. And these are things that hopefully if you've got these documents, you definitely already have in there. Um, these are things that most letters of offer might even have. So things like 
who is actually involved in this agreement? Who's employ- who's the employing party? So this might be, you know, um, it could be your trust that you're trading as a particular entity name. It could be a, a business na- uh, name. It could be so- you as a sole trader. Who is the person engaging the employee? And of course, what are the details of the employee that you're engaging, their name and address and those kind of things? What kind of employment relationship is this? Is this full-time? Is it part-time? Is it casual? So you're setting out, you know, we're engaging you under this agreement as a casual employee, for example. And you probably, you really want to be explicit about that. What's the position that you're hiring them for? What a customer service officer, um, laborer, gardener, landscaper, whatever it is. Importantly, the hours that you're engaging them for. Now, this is something that is a very basic and essential element of an employment agreement, but actually, I do see a lot of businesses get this one wrong. Either just being silent on this or not being explicit and specific enough. And, you know, when you're employing staff, you want to be really clear about, you know, what you're engaging them for. And if it is a per hour role, hours are kind of important. Uh, How are you going to pay them? How often are you going to pay them? Uh, What's the pay frequency? And on that topic, uh, what, how much are you going to be paying them? Uh, Whether it's a salary or an hourly rate or a, yeah, how how are you paying them? And what are you paying them? Of course, when are they starting? Uh, So the start date, again, really important. You'd be surprised how important something as simple as a commencement date is because when you go back to try and calculate things like leave accruals or long service leave or, um, you know, you want to reference something, you actually really need the start date in there, which most of you would already have, I'm sure. And, of course, details about any probationary period. And they're kind of your core starting points. Now, my advice on a probationary period, six months standard for everybody. Um, really, you can only have a six-month probationary period. But, and this is this is a conversation for an entire other episode, but what really matters is not the probationary period, but the minimum employment period. So I'm just going to park that idea and we might do a whole episode on that topic on its own. So they're the essentials. And I'm pretty sure most of you listening would have those things covered off in your letters of offer, employment agreements, letters of engagement, or whatever you call them. And if you don't, that's definitely where you want to start, okay? Now, on top of that, there are some other things you really need to be thinking about and considering in your employment agreements. And the second thing I want you to think about is things to do with compliance with the Fair Work Act and the relevant modern awards. And this is probably the one area that is a glaring gap in most businesses' employment agreements. Almost every employee in Australia is covered by the Fair Work Act, with the exception of um, some government employees and um, a few select groups. But by and large, most of us uh, do have the Fair Work Act as our coverage. And underneath the Fair Work Act, and I'm sure we've done an episode on this before, is the group of 100 and something modern awards. And again, almost all employees are covered by a modern award. There are some exceptions, absolutely. Um, But the majority of employees will be covered by an award. So in your employment agreements, you definitely want to be referencing the legislation. You want to be referencing the Fair Work Act. You want to be referencing the relevant modern award, what classification this particular employment agreement falls under or this position falls under in the award. Um, And... You also want to have in there things around um, the award conditions. Um, Don't forget that every new employee that joins you, if you're covered by the Fair Work Act, which you most likely are, 
needs to be given a copy of the Fair Work Information Statement or of their casual employees, the Casual Employee Information Statement and the Fair Work Information Statement. So there are a few compliance things you want to make sure are in there. Now, if you know you're covered by the Fair Work Act or if you're unsure and you don't have reference to this, you definitely want to have a look into that because it's really important um, in clarifying your compliance standard. And the third area of things that I think you should include in an employment agreement are other extra things that give the employment agreement that little bit of extra juge and power and relevance to your business. Now, this will be different for all of you. Uh, so this is other things that cover off fundamental terms and conditions of the employment relationship. For some of you, this might be around conflict of interest, around only doing work-related tasks whilst at work. It might be around a code of conduct or a dress code. Um, it could be around post-employment obligations, around restrictions of trade to make sure they don't run off to a competitor. You might have clauses in there about drug and alcohol expectations, anything that is a fundamental term and condition of the employment are those other extras. And this is where the really great employment agreements uh, set themselves aside because they've got these extra clauses in there. I mean, the, the best example I can give you of this is really great employment agreements all have a stand down clause in them, which basically means, and it's, it's again, part of the Fair Work Act, if there's some kind of, you know, unexpected, inexplicable disruption in trade, it allows you to stand your employees down without pay while you deal with that. Now, let's rewind back to 2019. And I would get asked every single time, why is this clause in the contracts? Do we need it? It's going to worry employees, la da 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 And I would explain, you know, if there's some kind of flood, earthquake, you know, your factory burnt down, something really, you know, horrendous, we need that clause to protect you. And most people would understand that. What we didn't know is that we were about to head into a global pandemic where that clause was so important. I have clients that immediately were able to enact that clause without even having to worry about the advice coming out or waiting weeks to figure out what on earth was going on. The moment their operations were impacted, which was immediate for this client I'm thinking of, they had the clause in the contract. We went straight to it. We we, and we actioned that clause. Now, in 2019, when I was advising about this clause, I didn't know we were heading for a global pandemic. Of course I didn't. But now that clause saved the bacon of so many businesses. So these are the other things in there that you want to make sure are included. But what what I really want to cover next is what should not be included because you don't want to have everything in the kitchen sink in your employment agreements. And here's why. If there is anything around um, about the employment relationship that might change or that you want to have control to change, do not put that in your employment agreement. Once it's in the employment agreement, it's you can't change it unless you issue a new agreement, you know, and then that employee may not accept that new agreement. So these things are much better sitting in policies. Okay, so you can create policies for other things that might sit outside an employment agreement. This could be drug and alcohol policy, dress code policy, uniform policy. It could be your commission and bonus structure policy. Because once you put it in a contract, you can't change it. Where when it sits in a policy, you can much more easily make changes when you need to, to suit 
the business. So anything you want to change, anything that's not a fundamental condition of employment should sit outside the contract and in a company policy. Because in your employment agreement, you of course want to have a clause that says you must comply with all the company policies as they apply. See what I did there? We've got a clause in the contract covering the policies, and then we've got a group of policies that we can make changes to. And these, you know, you never know that you want to make a change till you do. So Things like leave policies, um, as I said, bonus and commission structures. In my opinion, they should always sit outside the contract. You can refer to the fact that the employee is going to be eligible for the bonus and commission structure in accordance with the policy, but if it sits in policy, it's so much easier because those things do sometimes tend to change over time because business changes. So think about whether this is a fundamental term and condition of employment or is it something that is more a workplace operational matter, and it's not to do with that, stick it in a policy. Now, the other thing that should never be in a contract or an employment agreement is anything that's non-compliant with the legislation. Classic example, 40-hour working week. You cannot have a 40-hour working week under the Fair Work Act. You can only have a 38-hour working week. Now, you can create that 38-hour working week by averaging and therefore the employee does work 40 hours and then gets an RDO every month. That's a different thing. They're still working an average of 38 hours a week. But you cannot have a, a required 40-hour working week in an employment agreement. So you need to make sure that there's nothing in there that is non-compliant because if you're audited, if a complaint's made against you in fair work, it is not going to bode well for you. Now, that's not to say you can't create flexibility with the Fair Work Act. Of course, you can and the modern awards. And we use documents called individual flexibility agreements for that. But again, that's an entire other episode. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But just make sure there is nothing in there that is going to cause compliance issues for you. So this is a really high level overview of employment agreements. We could in fact, I could do an entire series of podcast episodes going much more deeper on this. But what I wanted to share with you today is that they are such a critical and important document that you absolutely want to have in place in your business. They're there to protect you, they're there to provide clarity, and they're there to ensure your compliance. You want to ensure you've got the right things in, and you also want to ensure you've left the right things out. And you want to create these documents in a way that is useful for your business. I am not an advocate of having documents for documents' sake. They have to be valuable to your business. And for the employment agreement to be valuable, it has to set the parameters, it has to create clarity, it has to ensure compliance, and really clearly set out what is the terms and conditions of this employment relationship. So if you do not have these in place, I encourage you, get some support, get some advice, and get them in place. But as I mentioned earlier, I do have a great resource for you, and this is a really great checklist of what you want to include in your employment agreements. And I've broken down those three areas that I spoke about earlier, the basics, the compliance, and the added extras, into giving you a more detailed list of all of those aspects of an employment agreement in this checklist. So if you'd like to grab your free copy of the checklist, just head over to peoplepoweredbusiness.com dot au forward slash checklist. That's peoplepoweredbusiness.com.au forward slash checklist. You'll be able to grab a copy right there on that page. Um, If that's a little bit tricky to remember, just go to today's show notes, which you'll be able to find wherever you're listening to this podcast, or you're also able to find them over at peoplepoweredbusiness.com, episode number 
1993. So I hope that that has been a really valuable um, episode for you and provided great insight uh, into what should be in your agreements. If you're concerned that you haven't got it right, grab the checklist or reach out to us and get the support um, so that you can go into the new year with clarity and certainty. Uh, about your team. Really, really important. I, I do want your business to be protected. It is something I'm super passionate about. That is a wrap for me for today. And this will be our final episode going live before Christmas. It has just dawned on me. So I'm wishing you and your families a very wonderful festive season. Enjoy some time off, but we are running the podcast right through. So we'll be back again next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, take care and have a lovely Christmas. 